0: Thank you for listening to BLC Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit worldthrowlife.co.co. All right. So... What I wanted to do was also uh, just to give a, a little snippet of feedback on sabbatical. And for those who are visiting, and it's really wonderful to see so many people joining family and visiting with us this weekend, thank you for, for joining us. It really is so good to see you. Um, so Lisa and I were privileged to have a three-month sabbatical an opportunity just to take some time to to rest and for renewal of of soul, mind, body, uh, to to get a re-energizing in our in our spirits, to have an opportunity to reflect and look back on where we've been over these last few years, and then to to have a resolve to keep running with the vision that God has given us. And um, so, during this opportunity, we. Uh, we went overseas for a while, and, and one of the stops was in Switzerland, and we went to a town called Arau, and here we are. It is freezing cold, but we're having ice creams anyway. Um, on the uh, on the left there, it's uh, Matthias and Ruth Trittman, and um, we first met them staying with the Deadmans uh, about 20... 10, 11, somewhere there, and um, we were together at a conference at uh, Bethel in Reading, and um, the Trutmans, uh, Ruth is also a pioneer in prophetic art, and uh, Matthias, and he's got a twin brother also in ministry, and uh, so they lead a church in Switzerland, uh, about 800 people, 800 people um, just going flat out for, uh, for the kingdom and just seeing miracles and they'd be much like us. And uh, so they, they do all the, the things, you know, that we do. They're amazing people, in other words. <laughs> and uh, so we, we uh, went to go and just spend some time catching up with them. We went downtown. There's a picture of Ruth there in downtown around the sort of older district there. As we're just talking about you know, some of the things of, of Switzerland and what the Lord's doing, and um, we, we got to, to speak, I I'm, I'm can't remember the exact context because you know, there were just so many conversations over the, the last few months, but it it's swung around to the, the fact that Switzerland is a neutral country. And, you know, for, for some who aren't really acquainted with the, the, the background to it, you might think, well, they're just a bunch of chickens. You know, they're just like, well, well we don't take sides, we don't get involved in the war, you know, we just, we, we just preserve and protect ourselves and we look after all your gold while we do that. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's a weakness and, and it's, it's, a, it's a lack of concern for, for other nations that they do not take sides and they do not get involved in conflict. And could easily, you know, that could be a conclusion that, that people could make. But it's the exact opposite that caused them to take the stance of being neutral. So I was quite intrigued at that. All right? And uh, some weeks later, we happened to be at the Vatican, and then St. Peter's, and then just outside are the Swiss guards. And uh, so they are uh, the people who are entrusted with protecting the Pope. And uh, there's a specific reason why out of all the people on the planet... That the the Vatican has chosen as a, a group of soldiers, warriors, to protect the pope there 's good reason behind it. What happened was that in the 1400s, these guys living up there in the mountains became known as some of the fiercest most efficient Soldiers on the planet, and they became sought after to bolster other people's armies. And remember, in those days, we don't have the the nations as we have now. There were were city states. There were there were uh, there was a feudal arrangement. There were fiefdoms. There were these smaller little um, power plays. Power points and and rich families would would would, uh, would be ruling or there would be, be small kings in, in place. And they would need people to actually defend their little kingdom. And so they would at times hire soldiers. And it soon became um, known that the Swiss soldiers were the best. They were the most loyal, they were the most effective, they were brave to the point of death, and obviously any king wanted to have a component of these Swiss soldiers as part of his army. Part of that, um, the, the legend grew because you had, in, um, in some of the wars, a king would have some Swiss soldiers on his side. And he would put them in the front lines. And when the opposing king saw that the Swiss were in the front lines, they would immediately embark on peace negotiations because they knew they weren't going to win. The Swiss soldiers were so highly regarded. Another thing which is quite a tragedy is in one of the wars, the one side had Swiss soldiers in the front, and on the opposing side were Swiss soldiers in the front. And neither king would back down. And here you had in the front lines of these two two armies. Brothers and uncles on the one side. And fathers. And cousins on the other. But because of their loyalty. To the king who had hired them. They still had to go to battle. And that caused enormous pain and tragedy because of their loyalty that they still had to go to war. Then in the French Revolution, King Louis XVI, who'd hired a a whole garrison to protect the the palace, and he had also a a garrison that was to protect him. And uh, there were... Um, there were over a thousand Swiss soldiers, and uh, when there was the the revolution, over seven hundred and sixty Swiss soldiers were slaughtered, and partly because they were outnumbered and they were under resourced. Remember, there was a the revolution the, the the turmoil had been going on for a long time, and there was there were some confusing and conflicting signals and communications that had come from the king. He basically sacrificed them. There were three hundred of the Swiss army, was Swiss guard. They were protecting a consignment of grain that was coming through to feed the people and they obviously were spared this tragedy. But the Swiss people came to the point of realizing that they were losing some of their finest. They were losing the current generation at the expense of defending other people. And the tragedy and the loss from some of the battles where they were on opposing sides, this massacre defending another nation that cost them so dearly. This is a a statue of uh, the lion that is dying that was representing these soldiers. He's lying on a shield that's got the emblem on the French king and uh, a spear through the side. This is... um, one of the the monuments there uh, in Switzerland. And uh, the Swiss came to a decision. It took them a long time to actually get to it. But it came out of this time of great loss and tragedy that they would never take sides again. And so this deep conviction... In the nation, we will not take sides and we will not fight other people's battles for them. It wasn't out of weakness. It was because they were the best soldiers that they were then put in this position. Because of their strength, they actually needed to, in a sense, manage and control their strength. And arrange themselves in a different way. So just a couple of thoughts around this thing. You know sometimes out of pain and tragedy. We can make a decision. That can affect and influence our future. In a very positive way. That we use times of difficulty and hardship. Not to become bitter and resentful and pull away from things in a negative way, but we actually make some positive decisions that are going to cause us to be successful and to flourish in the future. I, I, I'm just going to tie it in now because we're facing all this stuff with Eskim. You can make a decision to be bitter and grumpy and grouchy whenever the power goes out, and you can moan, and you can join the the choir of the negative. Or you can choose to say, you know what? I'm going to be somebody who's going to shift and change the environment and the atmosphere. I'm literally going to bring light where there is darkness. I'm going to change the atmosphere I'm going to look for ways in which I can have less of a carbon footprint, for example. I can look for ways where there are entrepreneurial opportunities to make people's life a little easier. I think we're going to see some remarkable things shifting and changing in our nation in the next 10 years. We're not having hundreds of thousands of South Africans dying because of pollution from the coal fields. Oh, you didn't know that. No, you do know that. All right? So there's a, there's a, a terrible thing that's going on, and we, we're not even bringing it to people's attention because we're so far behind all of this stuff about taking care of the environment. But imagine the shift and the change that can take place in a decade. And I believe that with that, there are going to be phenomenal opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities. And if we're listening to the Lord correctly, we can step into those opportunities. So what was a crisis and a lot of pain and tragedy can turn around and become a huge benefit to the people of God. One amen is all I need. Okay. Okay. But this thing of strength can be expressed powerfully through restraint. And the Pope still has these Swiss Guards, who are some of the, the, the crack elite forces on the planet. But they're not using that strength and that might for, for evil. They're using it for good and that, that lesson if you like of restraint just because you can do something doesn't mean you should and just thinking through some of the implications for our, our lives and yeah anyway let me, let me not go too far down that road Are you all right? Okay. Just want to share with you a few thoughts around Christmas. Is that good? Everyone needs a Savior. God knows every single one of us, He knows every human and the condition of their heart, He knows what they're facing. He knows their challenges, and he also knows that not one human being is capable of saving themselves, and because God is so good that he didn't leave the planet to languish in its pain and in its trajectory towards doom that he sent his only son for God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever would believe would not have to perish but would have eternal life. We should all know that scripture. And it's speaking, if you like, of the Christmas story. Out of God's great love, he gave, he sent his son into this world. Would you turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And Matthew, who's writing to a... Jewish audience, he's giving to his, his readers the, the context and the background into which Jesus came. And so he's helping them see that in verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so he's, he's immediately saying Jesus came From somewhere, there's a connection, and there's a connection to people of faith. There's a connection to the the, the Hebrew people. Remember, Jesus came as a Hebrew. And he's talking to the Hebrews, and he's saying, listen, there was the promise of a Messiah, and Jesus is that Messiah. He is the promise. And so he says, Jesus, the Messiah, Messiah is... The Hebrew word for anointed one, in Greek, it's Christ. So it's not Jesus' surname. It's not Jesus Christ. Christ is not his surname. Christ means anointed one. In Greek, it means it's Messiah is anointed one in the Hebrew language. So Jesus, who is also called the son of David... Now, hang on, wasn't Joseph his father? Or did the Christmas nativity play get it wrong? He's talking in in the genealogy that he's of the line of David Um, and of the line of Abraham. Okay, jump down to verse 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abram to David, and 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So he's talking about the the lineage and and the the structure, if you like, in the generations, God's plan that he would have a people for himself called out. He called Abram, who later became Abraham, out of Ur, to come to the promised land, and we've got you know all the iterations of uh, the Old Testament history, and and the times when the people of God responded to that prophetic call and would pursue relationship with God, and the times when they would neglect and they would walk away and they would rebel and they would be caught up in their in their sin. So they, we get these cycles going on, but the point was. That God always wanted relationship with his people and he had a plan. And so Matthew's writing and he's saying Jesus is the fulfillment of that plan. He is the Messiah that was promised and this is the link and this is how it fits in. Carry on in verse 18. So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So that's euphemism, that they abstained from sex before marriage, which is a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It's a God thing to do. Hmm. To do. Hmm. hmm. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, now that sub-translation could be because he was a righteous man, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Oh my goodness. Did you... Notice what you said in the declaration, tithes and offerings, dreams and visions, angelic visitations. Wow. So we're not talking Cupid, you know, with a little arrow, not those chubby things we saw a lot of that when we were... On our sabbatical, the renaissance guys doing all sorts of mythological stuff. We're not talking, you know, those chubby little things that float around. We're talking messengers from God on assignment with messages of strengthening and encouraging of God's people that we might do the stuff of the kingdom. I thought you'd be a little happier about that. My point is, sometimes we read over things and we don't recognize what's going on. We say some things and we don't hang on to the implication of what it is. So in this declaration that we've been making around our finances and the and and acknowledging that God is overall and that our giving is part of who he is he's a generous God and we're participating in his nature and his character but in all of this God opens up things test me now and let's see if I will not open the windows of heaven what do you think that means that there's a realm the heavenly realm and the earthly realm and with the windows open there's access between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm It's not just that Kruger coins come falling out of the sky. Yeah? It's that they're riches in the spiritual realms that get opened up to us. And so, sort of unpacking that is, wow, dreams and visions and angelic visitations and all these things that we need to get the job done. Joseph had one of these experiences. It was in a dream, so he wasn't doing the crazy like, woo, let's go and have a little meeting with angels stuff. Remember, we sorted that out with Colossians. Yeah. All right, so there's legitimate ways of encountering the supernatural. And so heaven invades. An angel appeared to him in his dream Jesus just some powerful messages that are encoded in this passage of scripture the name Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua which means the Lord saves God was putting in plain sight the very purpose for Jesus' mission and coming to earth so that everyone could understand what Jesus was coming to do. Jesus wasn't coming so that we could have Christmas lunch. Jesus wasn't coming so we could have nice cards that we could send people Jesus didn't come so that we could have beautiful nativity plays once a year Jesus didn't come to stay a baby Jesus came to save Blind Bartimaeus, in his need, in his devastating circumstances. Jesus, the Lord who saves. Jesus, the Lord who saves. Son of David, have mercy on me. Whenever anyone called on the name of Jesus, Which means, the Lord who saves, save me. Jesus, save me. The Lord who saves, save me. The message in the message, so powerful. He didn't come so we could have a comfortable life. He came that we might have eternal life. Big difference. Without him, doomed. No hope. Perishing. But with him, eternal life. As a prophetic people, while you're enjoying your mince pie, with a funny little paper hat on, (laughs) pulling your cracker, whatever it is. Well, maybe not whatever. Because, you know, we don't really want those pagan tree things. Oops. What is it all about? The Lord who saves. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. It's all about God with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not God was with us. It's not that he just walked on the earth for 33 and a half years. It's not God was with us. No, God currently, present tense, is with us. God with us. Emmanuel. So as we're celebrating, being the prophetic people that we are, Jesus, thank you that you came to save. Thank you that you came to save me. Thank you that you are saving right here, right now. Thank you that you did not stay in the manger Thank you that you got out of the manger. Yeah, look, he was so keen to get out the manger that by the time the Magi arrived, he was about two years old and he was living in a house. That's Matthew chapter 2. Just a couple of verses on from here. Chapter 2, the Magi come. Herod says, hey, what time did you see the star? He tells them the the time. Then they go to Bethlehem, and Jesus is in a house. It's their house. And then Herod goes, because another angel had spoken to the, the kings, the wise men, the magi. We don't know exactly how many there were. We know there were three gifts, but we don't know if there were more than, anyway, just... Stirring with her, play a little bit. But the shepherds had long gone, like two years earlier, because Herod then went and killed all the boys two years and under based on the time that the Magi said the star appeared. What I'm trying to say is, Jesus was very quick to get out the manger. Let's not keep him there, he's the Savior. Can we, can we finish up here? Um, put the reference there from Isaiah chapter 7. But let's go Isaiah chapter 9. And then uh, I'm going to let you go early. I know. It's Christmas. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9. reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But then in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. It's Galilee of all of the nations. It's kind of like, this is prophesying Major details, hundreds of years before the Messiah comes. This is amazing. Verse 2 The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Come on, guys. That's why we keep praying. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4, for the yoke of his burden, number one. Number two, the staff for his shoulder. Number three, the rod of his oppressor. All these you have broken, as on the day of Midian. We're not under a yoke of sin. We do not have the rod of the law beating us down with condemnation. We're not under oppression anymore. Hallelujah. Okay? mighty God. We're not talking a baby now. A child has been given. A son has been born. He's mighty God. He's not in the manger. He's not the baby. He's mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government, His kingdom, if you like, and His peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The increase of His rule and His reign, His government, His kingdom, its expanding will have no end forever and ever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty of hosts, the angelic realm, Will accomplish this. What God started, He's going to complete. Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord who saves, has come to save. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah. That's why we celebrate Christmas not because of food and all of these things. We celebrate because the one who can save actually came. Contrary to all the religions and philosophies, false religions, it's kind of like, how could a perfect one come into an imperfect world? It's kind of like, no. No. He came in the weakness and the frailty of a human to destroy the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. To save us. And because we've been rescued from darkness and into light, we transferred kingdoms. Now we're part of that growing and expanding kingdom. We have a job to do. We're part of that increase. We're part of his rule and his reign. The light of the world has come. And now he says, hey, let your light shine because he's put his light within us. So, we change this world for his glory. Amen. Amen. Stand with us, please. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Leaving behind all of the majesty of heaven. The perfection. The comfort, the the holiness, the, the altogether otherness of that realm. And you burst into our realm because of your great love. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. You didn't leave us to our own devices and, and, and our, our doom. But you came to rescue. We were perishing, being worn out, ready to be thrown away on the ash heap. But you rescued us. And you redeemed and you restored. And you made all things new. Thank you. Thank you that we have an eternal hope because we put our trust in you. Thank you that the greatest gift of all is eternal life. If you've never asked the Lord who saves, Jesus, to save you, this Christmas is the time to receive the greatest gift of all, salvation. And all it takes is crying out to him, save me, the Lord who saves, save me. And he will do that very thing because that is why he came. And because he loves you so much. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Spirit loves you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. Because we have you, and we're in you. I'm asking, Lord, that for each one of us gathered here, you would infuse Boldness and courage, and a positive, faithful expectation and hope for 2020. Because with you, we can overcome any challenge. So we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. Let your peace rest upon each one gathered here. Let your protection be on each household. Every member of the family of God in this place who travels, keep them in safety. That you would watch over the things that we are stewarding, our household, our possessions. We ask, Lord, that you would infuse us with the dunamis of heaven cause strength to come into sick bodies right now? If you need a touch from the Lord, if there's pain in your body, just reach out to the Lord, the one who saves. Reach out to Him right now. You don't need somebody else to come and lay hands on you. Just reach out right now. The one who saves will save you. The one who saves, who redeems, who restores, who heals. Touch your body right now. Touch your body right now. Pain leave. Pain leave. Health strength, energy be restored right now. Allergies and deficiencies be removed. The sentence that you've been under, the oppression that you've been under, he came to remove that. As in the day of Midian, gone in Jesus' name. Broken off you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Let your joy fill our hearts. We be the happiest people on the planet because we have you. So we bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen Amen, and Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Can we just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.